Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. I'm just reading this so, A, I don't get fined, and B, I can get this shit over with. Niche is a jerk. And Messiah is a jerk. A short-sighted jerk. And I hope... Uh, Morgan doesn't get cochlear implants, but knowing this book, she probably will. And, oh, God. This dude's going to fall in love with the girl or the daughter that he, the, the mother of the daughter that he killed, and the mother of the girl that he killed, and uh, Lucas's sister. And they've already described her body too much. Like, they've already sexualized her. If you want proof that they describe everybody they're going to sexualize, did they describe Issa? Did they describe Nanny? No? Okay, just checking. Her flab. Her, I don't know what they call it. Her droopy, her droopy breasts swung pendulously as she walked. Like, I don't know how old Nanny is, and black don't crack. So if she's anything underneath 60, she probably looks shit. If she's anything under 65, she probably looks 42. But they ain't sexualizing her. They ain't doing that. Anyhow, chapter eight. Nanny, this pie doesn't make up for the $500 worth of free labor this man is doing for me, Alani said as she impatiently waited for her great aunt to wrap up the homemade sweet potato pie. It's not about making up for anything. It just shows appreciation, Nanny replied as she placed the pie in Alani's hands. She's cooking for her too. Alani tried hard not to roll her eyes and press her lips together, stopping herself from getting too smart with the old woman who had raised her. I don't have time for this. I need to be at work in an hour and a half, she thought. Relax. You can't work $20,000 worth of hours in a week, Nanny said. She had always been intuitive. Reading Alani's thoughts was nothing new. Oh, so she's a mind reader too? A soothsayer? Can't she tell the future? Was she down at um, East Bayou? Y'all gonna get up from Brown Hill. Swing low. White folks don't laugh at this shit. Black folks laugh your ass off. I don't know why you trying to work right now anyway. Your heart is broken, baby. Your daughter, your brother, they aren't even in the ground yet. And they won't ever be if I don't come up with some money. 
fast, Alana said. I gotta go, Nanny, she said. I need to catch the bus and pick up my car before they close, and then get to work so I can clock in on time. I'll see you tonight. Give him that pie. You always feed a fine man, Nanny yelled as Alani headed for the door. Oh, Nanny, if you only knew, you've seen this fine man before. In your dreams? No. In your nightmares? Probably. In real life? Definitely. Alani turned around, frowning. I never said anything about the way he looks. You're a trip, old lady, Alani said, smiling for the first time in days. Yeah, all that sugar you put in your voice about how he was so nice and so understanding told me he was fine, Nanny said back. Alani snatched up her purse. And I got you, old lady, little girl. Wait, what? So Alani said that to Nanny? Y'all didn't say Nanny said that. She, you didn't say, as Alani snatched up her purse... Nanny said, and I got your old, your, your old lady, little girl. You didn't say none of that. You just said, Alani snatched up her purse. And I got your old lady, little girl. That's just... <sighs> Ethic pinched the bridge of his nose in frustration. Remember, y'all, that, that eases stress and emotion and adds clarity and five inches to your jumping ability. He wasn't used to his time being infringed upon. In the streets, he moved at his own pace. Even when he was a young hustler, working blocks, he held some authority about himself. He was a one-man show, and he got money without anyone expecting anything from him, besides good product. Going legit meant that he had over 50 employees calling on him, depending on him, what seemed like every second of the day. It seemed like the boss was always needed, and he was slightly irritated that his day was being disrupted. He hit a U-turn in the middle of the street. Daddy, where are we going? Bella asked. I have to make a quick stop, Ethic said. He saw her face fall, and he quickly eased her disappointment. I promise, and you know I don't break my promises, he said with a wink. She smiled and infected him as his lips spread in happiness too. His children were the only people who got to see his vulnerability. They were of him, composed of the same blood, his legacy, and the keys to his heart. He considered Morgan a part of that sentiment, which is why he expected so much of her. He pulled up to the shop. Oh man, we gotta come here. It's gonna take all day, Easy whined. Big man, stop whining. What'd I tell you about all that whining? It's only gonna take a few seconds. Climb out, Ethic said as he opened the back door to his range. He could see that the woman was giving redneck Larry a run for his money, even before he stepped inside. Her mouth was moving a mile a minute, and a thick vein of discontent had appeared down the middle of her forehead, showing her frustration. When he opened the door, Redneck Larry said, You gotta take it up with him. The white man turned to Ethic and blew out an exasperated breath. The car isn't ready. There's a ton more work that needs to be done, but we're closed, and I gotta get home to the wife. I've got it from here, Ethic said, as Larry gathered his belongings and rushed out the shop. I need my car, Alani started in, bringing the static directly to Ethic. He found it amusing that she was demanding a rush on the car that was being fixed for free. He knew better than to point it out, however. Ethic wanted no parts of this mad black woman. There's a comment between mad and black woman, just in case you're curious. Also, stereotypes. 
He wanted no parts of this mad black woman. The fire in her eyes told him that she would sear him alive if he did anything other than see things her way. Damn, self-hate. He turned to look at the notes on the clipboard. It would be wiser to invest in a new car. The fellas have fixed the alternator, your starter, and exhaust pipes, but there's a crack in your engine block and the transmission is slipping. It'll take about five days or so to get all that repaired, Ethic informed. Even still, you're only putting a band-aid on it. This car won't last you another year. Well, I need every day of that year because I can't afford a new car. It was supposed to be done today. I was supposed to be at work 30 minutes ago. Is it drivable? She asked. If you want to break down a couple miles down the road, Ethic informed. She sighed the kind of sigh that only a black woman could muster. Black women, please, please, you know, if you would, my, my beloved wife will probably do this. Sigh for a nigga. Like, I, I don't know what kind of a sigh only black women can do. I, I don't know. I'm curious. Um, and I feel like I'm putting a lot on y'all by asking you to do a sigh for me. You probably just did one when I asked you to do one for me. But I don't know. That just, I don't know. In the weighted breath, Ethic heard all her worries dissipate into the air. He hated that every black woman he knew carried too much on them. They were like magical beings that were expected to play 10 different roles every day, often switching them at the drop of a dime without ever missing a beat. He often wondered how they did it, how they pulled it off, the single motherhood of it all, the nighttime student of it all, the homemaker of it all, the lover, the friend, the chef, the nurse, the maid of it all. What the fuck? I know sometimes you think you're deep, but you need people like me to tell you that you're not. You're not, shorty. That wasn't deep. And I didn't put the commas in where she had the commas in. So if you want the commas in there, I'll do it again. How they pulled it off. Because there's ellipses right there. So dot, dot, dot. How they pulled it off. The single motherhood of it all. The nighttime student of it all. The homemaker of it all. The lover. The friend. The chef. The nurse. The maid of it all. The fuck is the of it alls for? Do you need them at all? And if you do need them all, then why do you need of them all? Like, what? <sighs> he knew she was part of that magical melanin club because all black women shared that same sigh. He helped his girls never had to learn it. She ruffled her shoulder-length hair, and he watched it fall back into place. Yep, they gon' fuck. Each thick layer trained to fall at the nape of her neck because he suspected she was also part of the wear-a-head-scarf-to-bed club the black women had invented. See, I read that incorrectly. I didn't read it incorrectly, but she wrote it incorrectly, so I'ma fix it. I'ma mansplain it. Because he suspected that she was also part of the Wear a head scarf to bed of it all. <laughs> uh, she was a sister, 
through and through, and Ethic drank her in. She was falling apart, and although he could see the devastation quietly creeping into her stance, sagging her shoulders and causing her chin to quiver, he still marveled at her. She was a mess. Her life was a mess. Because of him. But she was like a walking piece of mystique as he wondered how she was holding it all together. Nigga, you were literally putting this woman on a pedestal who is dealing with traumas that you caused. Like you're falling in love with her strength that she has to use because you put her there. And I know that you expressed that slightly, but you're still doing it. Like, what are we doing here? How are you falling for this? How are you falling in love with this woman that you literally took everything from? How is this happening? How is the logic? Where do you work? Ethic asked. What? She responded, thrown off by the intrusiveness of his question. You need a ride, right? He felt obligated to fix something in her life. The car he owed her. The ride he owed her. It was the least he could do. At a hospice center in Auburn Hills, she answered. It's too far. I can't expect you to drive me 30 miles, and even if you do, I don't have a way home, so... Let's go, he said. I'll make sure you have a way home. Don't worry about it. She frowned in confusion. Come on, guys. Back in the car. We're going to drop my friend off here, and then we'll get ice cream before we go to the movies. That cool? At the gas. Yeah! Easy shouted as he ran out the door. Ethic looked at Bella. Yeah, I guess, she moaned, not thrilled with the idea. No, you got your kids with you. It's not really necessary, she said. Ethic held open the door for her. Get in the car, he said, nodding towards his truck. I don't even know your name, she said. I come up in here bitching and complaining after you agree to fix my car for free and you still gonna help me? It's nothing. I'm Ethic, he introduced, offering her his hand. This is Ezra, but we call him Easy. And that little girl with the screw face is Bella. Alani, she answered, as she extended a dainty hand of her own. She handed him the pie box she had been holding. What's this? Ethic asked as he took it from her hands. A thank you gift for fixing the car, she said. A pie. Do you like pie? I'm afraid to say no. The way you come in here barking on my employees, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that mouth, Ethic said, smirking. I deserve that, she said with a small laugh. It's just been a rough week. I'm sorry for bringing drama to your place of business. I really do appreciate you working with me regarding my car. Thank you, Ethic. Her tone of voice was so sincere, as if no one had ever done anything for her a day in her life. In fact, no one had. Alani had worked hard, getting a job at a local restaurant, working under the table at just 12 years old. Nothing had been given to her. Not even a pair of panties was handed to her. Commando. She had earned everything on her own. She didn't have much, but what little she attained had been bought off the sweat of her own back. This simple gesture wasn't so simple to Alani because Ethic was giving her what many people neglected to see value in. Time. He took time out of his schedule to get her to work when he owed her nothing at all. <laughs> if your girl only knew. Or so she thought.
She climbed into the passenger seat and admired the butter-colored leather inside. My ass even sinks into these seats differently, she thought, as she made herself comfortable. The sounds of Kendrick Lamar kicked through the speakers, not too loud as to draw attention, but loud enough to vibrate the seat she sat in. As Kendrick spit verses about being alright, Alani wished she could believe him. Her life was out of focus, and she was stumbling through it with tear-blurred vision. She knew she had been demanding ungrateful and downright rude regarding her car before I get to her not knowing that you know fuckery's afoot let me just say this for the record Kendrick's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is fucking life-saving for me like it is not it, it is it is therapeutic it is it is therapeutic to listen to for me um and to know that this is a CD album, whatever you want to call it, about continuous growth through therapy and through talking and discussion and help and self-love and loving your kids and all that. This album speaks so much to me. Like, if it hadn't won Rap Album of the Year, I would have been very put out because it's my Rap Album of the Year. And to be honest, it ain't that close. And I know you said it's on the house, but I will pay you back every penny. I'm good for it, she said. He didn't respond. He acknowledged her words with a nod. Or was he nodding his head to the beat? Was she killing the vibe? Was Kendrick's words forewarning her to shut the fuck up and ride? Not not if the song is alright. If the song is alright, then he's not telling you, bitch, don't kill my vibes. Because bitch, don't kill my vibe and alright are from two completely separate fucking albums. Unless he has a Kendrick Lamar playlist on Spotify. It's from two separate albums. Bitch don't kill my bi- bitch don't kill my vibe is from Good Kid Mad City. A classic. And all right is from The Pimp of Butterfly. Another classic. I mean the nigga don't miss. He really doesn't. But still, even with all of that, I still put Miss Morale above damn. I still put it above all the other ones because music is how it speaks to you. The words and how they affect you is how you will respond to an album so what might hit for me might seem wrong to you and I'm, I'm I don't apologize for that because that's you know your path is not mine but the only things we agree upon is that R. Kelly can eat a dick and Kanye fell the fuck off way before he became a wild out MAGA motherfucker Oh, and that y'all motherfuckers owe Chrisette Michelle an apology. She glanced in the back seat, noticing that the kids had fallen asleep. Your kids are beautiful, she complimented. Why the hell am I making small talk because y'all gonna fuck? His silence was so intimidating, so cold. He sat, leaning against the driver's window, as his graffiti-covered forearm extended to the steering wheel, his hand gripping the wood grain. His brow was set in a grimace, as if he were in deep thought. One side of his face held scars and was hidden out of her sight, but she caught glimpses of it as they passed by city lights and it reflected against the window pane. The other side of him was flawless, so smooth and dark that it looked like he was made of chocolate. He was a mystery to her. I'ma say they gonna fuck within four chapters. I'm sorry, he said. He paused to clear his throat. throat) About your daughter and your brother. 
You said you lost him, he reminded. He had to get that off his chest. His condolences came off as casual. He knew she would brush it off. How could he be sorry? He barely knew her. She would never know how sincere he was. Why? You didn't kill them, she said, her myriad of emotions returning. She was angry and sad and lost and resentful. She was too many things to count and she snapped off the words before she could stop herself. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, she sighed. I just wish people would stop telling me they're sorry. Sorry doesn't do anything. It won't bring them back. It's just something people say when they don't know what to say. I'd rather they didn't say anything at all. I mean, I can see the logic in that. There's tons of times that I am on social media because social media is a whole bunch of bad news wrapped up uh, with people putting their best news out there. So it's either good news or bad news. It's not just living life. Um, but people will lose their family members and you see them posting, getting a whole bunch of I'm so sorry comments or whatever it may be. And I don't do it. I just, I just can't. It's like putting thoughts and prayers to me. Like, I don't know what to say to you to make you feel better, but I know sorry ain't it. Yo, dog, my, my, my mom just passed away, fam. I'm heartbroken. Sorry. Like, really? Like, that. Oh, wait, wait. I didn't say that right because, you know, it was somebody's mom who died. Okay, cool. Let me try that again. Yo, fam, my mom passed away, dog. I don't I don't know if I'm going to make it, man. I'm so sorry. The fuck is that doing for anybody? Just shut the fuck up and be there. Be there. Walk them through it. Social media won't allow you to do that because they ain't your real goddamn friends. But y'all are my friends. But be there for him like listen like lend an ear like i say i'm here to listen if you need to talk and then i provide my telephone number which people really think is like probably fucking weird but i don't know that's just me i'd rather listen to you work through your angst and your sadness than just say sorry and not fucking mean it now i have to know you at a deeper level in order for me to send out my telephone number to you i'm not just gonna send it to any tom dick and harry out there harry tom's harry dick <laughs> That's why they don't mix those up. They keep them in the same line they're always in. It's Tom, Dick, and Harry. Because if you mix them up just a little bit, you're getting fired from work. Oh, man. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there trying to get in the club. Oh, man. Tom, Harry's dick. Yeah. Come see us in the office. Or maybe they really mean it, and you're just in too much pain to receive it. Either way, I don't say anything just to say it, Ethic answered. And even though she didn't know him, she believed him. Time passed quickly as the two let the music do the rest of the talking. When they pulled up to her job, Erica Badu was crooning about the next lifetime, and it felt appropriate, as if this was a man she had run into at the wrong time, under the wrong circumstances. Perhaps, if they had bumped into each other at the supermarket or at the mall, hell, even a nightclub, he might have taken her number. The weighed way under which their paths had aligned didn't leave any room for anything but sympathy rise to work. She was hesitant to reach for the door handle. He had been nothing but kind to her, a true gentleman. She hadn't come across many of those these days. In fact, she couldn't recall even one. Even her daughter's father had been one of the bad ones. And although a beautiful creation had come from it, the scars he left behind still affected her to this day. 
She cringed at the thought of her child's father and quickly dismissed it, not wanting all the negative things she felt about her past to infect her present. Daddy, I have to use the bathroom, Easy's voice interrupted them. I'll stop in a little while, little man. Can you hold it? He asked. No, Easy replied as he began to squirm. He can come inside. There's a bathroom right inside the lobby, she said. She popped open her door. Thank you for the ride. You don't have to worry about getting me home or anything. I can call a cab or a Uber or something. Alani had no idea how she would get home. Her accounts were overdrawn, and she didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Every dime she had was going into the burial of her family, but no way could she infringe further on this man's time. He was nice enough. Just bring me all the way out of here, she thought. She climbed out the car, and Ethic exited with easy. I'll be right back, Bella. Lock the door, and don't open it for anybody, he said. Dad, I'm not a baby, Bella protested as she placed her earbuds into her ears. Ethic didn't need the reminder. He saw her growing and changing every day, but to him, she would always need protecting. Alani could see Ethic's disposition change as she smiled slightly as she closed the door. Don't worry. All girls go through that phase. What is she? 12? 13? They crossed the parking lot, and Ethic looked back at the car. She's 12. How did you know? He asked. She's just at that age where you're no longer the center of her universe. All dads get hit with the preteen curse, she chuckled. Don't worry, it'll pass. She's just looking for some independence. Easy ran ahead of them and opened the door for Alani. Ladies first, Easy said with a toothless smile as he extended his hand for her to walk by. Oh, so you're raising a little gentleman, I see, she said, astonished. She couldn't help but chuckle. Thank you. You're quite the charmer. He knows when to turn it on. That's all, Ethic said, with a smile that was charming all on its own. Alani drank him in. He was dark, brooding and mysterious as he stood before her. You know, like Batman. He was perfection on one side, handsome with the perfect jawbone and skin so black, so smooth that he looked like a work... What? So black, so smooth that he looked like a work or art. Is R and F, I guess. Okay. Then there was the opposite side, damaged and scarred, but filled with so much character that Alani instantly, well, there's commas here, that Alani instantly wondered what story accompanied the flaws. It was like God had molded him too perfectly and decided halfway through the process to even things out. Did I already say that what's going to happen is that him and Alani are going to get together and then um, Dolce is going to get word of it and tell her, you know, my that, that he murdered your daughter, right? I'm just calling my shot. You know me. It was like God had molded him too perfectly and decided halfway through the process to even things out. There had to be balance in the world, and a man who looked as wonderful as Ethic's good side would be nothing but trouble without a little something to humble him. He walked inside the building with his son and Alani. The bathroom is right down there to the left, she said, pointing. Go ahead, Easy. Handle your business, big man. I'll be right here, waiting for you. And don't forget to wash your hands, Ethic stated. He's charming until you find out he forgets to wash his hands. She laughed about that as Easy turned around and held up a bald fist, letting his father know he had overheard. 
I'm glad you find your tardiness funny. The stern voice that cut into their conversation was one that made her cringe. Her boss, Mr. Taylor. Alani turned, embarrassed that her boss was about to chew her out in front of Ethic. I'm sorry. My car is broken down and I told you about the situation that's going on with my family. I got here as soon as I could. And you could walk right back out those doors, Mr. Taylor replied. Nigga, damn. Like, she just said she told you about the situation and you like, well, you're fired? Like, golly. Like, what kind of... Ugh, nah, that don't work for me. Alani's mouth fell open and she shook her head in disbelief. Mr. Taylor, my daughter just died. I can't even afford to bury her. I need this job, she said, lowering her voice so the ethic didn't overhear. Well, you should have thought about that before you let your shift start uncovered. Mrs. Smith has been laying in a soiled diaper for over two hours. Nigga, come on now. You can't have somebody else come in there. Now, I'm not bragging, but my wife is a nurse. Worked really fucking hard to get there putting the time, the effort, and the hours, doing big things, doing amazing things, like running shit, hands motherfucking down. And one thing she always tells me is that she was late getting home from uh, her shift because the next person behind her was late and so she had to stay with her patients or she had to go help out another patient. Like she's constantly having to go and help out other people because the shift nurse, the, the nurse who's taking her shift hasn't gotten there yet. You don't leave until the next person gets there. And if this person's been lying in a soiled diaper in your facility for two fucking hours, what in the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, seriously. Like, you ain't gonna change her to prove a point to your employee? Shit. This is why for all the shit I talk about putting my mama in a home, I'm not putting my mama in none of them motherfuckers because they nasty as shit. The people in there just want your money. There's only one place I've been to where the, the people actually like they cared. And that's somebody I know personally, and it's a small business, so I might be biased. But I'm not putting my mom in one of them homes. Now, my dad, yeah, that nigga can get it. Miss Smith has been lying in a soiled diaper for over two hours. Her family came here to find her soaked through the damn bed sheets. You know the policy. If you're going to be late, you get somebody else to cover you. You didn't even call. This is the third time you've been late this month. I'm sorry. I've got to let you go. This is exactly why I don't like to hire girls like you. Oh, he white, white. And if I'm wrong, then I'm shocked. Mr. Taylor, Alani shouted in protest as he began to walk away. She glanced back at Ethic and could tell he was purposefully trying to appear as if he hadn't overheard. She wanted to walk away, unbothered. She wished she was too proud to beg, but she needed her job. She was already in a financial bind. This would only make matters worse. You can't do this to me, please. Tears were stinging her eyes as desperation filled her. I'll do anything. Mr. Taylor stopped walking and turned around. Alani knew the old white man would respond to that. He liked his girls fraught and vulnerable. He had taken advantage of plenty young nurses by threatening them with unemployment or worse yeah that was a comma but there's also just fuckery of plenty young nurses by threatening them with unemployment or worse Alani still remember how one of her co-workers had sold her food stamps to work only for Mr. Taylor to find out and threaten to report the girl for fraud the young girl had thrown Mr. Taylor some pussy just to buy a silence Alani hadn't understood why but she could more than relate now she was willing to do anything just to keep her job.
Ethic was uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just going to walk past that, but I'm not. I'm going to walk back. Yeah, you got to set up where uh, she's going to get rescued by Ethic because she's willing to sell her body to keep her job. This is what you're doing with the black woman in this book that you were just uplifting. Okay, fam. She's gonna. She's willing to sell her body to keep her job. This the <sighs> ethic was uncomfortable witnessing the scene unfold. Knew it was best that he saved her some dignity by leaving. He didn't want to make the situation any more humiliating for her. But you can't, cause Easy's still in the bathroom. So guess what? You gotta be there. Truthfully, he should have already been out the door. But the word anything made him take pause. Was this beautiful sister literal in her meaning? Was he reading too much into it? He felt a nagging in his gut that told him to intervene. But he wasn't trying to get too close to this woman. He had wronged her, and to be around her but not inform her of the role he had played in her misery felt like cruelty. He didn't want to disrespect her space. No mother should be subjected to the presence of her child's killer, and Ethic was just that, a child killer. No matter how handsome, how suave, how enlightened, or how appealing he was. He had taken her daughter from this earth. Intent didn't matter when it came to that fact. His bullet had ended her life, and despite the many lies he had taken prior to that fateful night, he was certain that it was the one deed that would be his undoing on his judgment day. He shouldn't be near Alani. Didn't even deserve to breathe the same air as her. Still, he couldn't help but think, fuck she mean by anything? Easy came running out the bathroom and Ethic corralled her, easing out the front door without so much as a goodbye. He led his son to the truck, all the while Alani's voice played in his head. I'll do anything. 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 I'll do anything for one kiss. Anything. Yes, I'll do anything, anything, anything for you. Now, while you try and decide if that's Annie or if it's Jay-Z, let me let you know it's both. I'm cultured. No woman, especially a black woman, should have to do anything to keep anything. But somehow, every woman had done just that at least once in their lifetime. That anything that made them feel cheap, that made them feel dirty and worthless, always seemed to be just the thing that kept the lights from being turned off and kept the bellies of nappy-headed boys and girls full while their mother's bellies growled through the night. Children rarely knew of the sacrifice their mothers made, but the effects of them were forever burned in the minds of the women who had to make them. Black women made ways out of no way by pulling that anything card. Even though it was an ethics place to intervene, he couldn't and wouldn't pull out of the parking lot as the white man inside held his privilege over Alani's head. As a black man, wasn't it his place to protect a queen who had forgotten how worthy she was of respect? This was a part of life that still puzzled him. How could he bask in his regality in this instant, but then take arms against his brother in another? It was in these moments that he knew he was still victim to the conditioning of society that made him feel justified to kill Lucas, but feel obligated to protect Alani. Was the life of a black man not as valuable as that of a black woman? Perhaps Ethics should have spoken to Lucas, man to man, educated him, forgiven him, brother to brother, perhaps? 
Ethic didn't know how to change his perspective. All he knew was that he had ridden to protect his, but this overwhelming desire to protect Alani meant she somehow was his as well. They belonged to the same tribe. The same black-skinned, dark-hearted, Afro-American tribe. They were all the same. All, only a few generations removed from the ships that had brought their ancestors over here in chains. So yes, that black woman who was inside doing anything for that white man was his. This meant Lucas had been his as well. Same skin, same tribe, yet Ethic had done exactly what society had bred him to do. Exterminate blacks hate blacks so did he hate himself same tribe same skin same nigga damn niggers and i say that shit like it's cool he thought how the fuck did you get here from her saying she'd do anything how nigga are you smoking weed like are you high silas can you read like this is quite the departure like this is uh, we gonna take the scenic route to where we need to get to today this is we should have been there 15 minutes ago but your daddy wanted to go over there and look at a bridge he saw on a picture this is i'm gonna get there when i get there y'all gonna stop asking me about it this is instead of you going the route that is five miles away you went the route that's 20 miles away because you wanted to say hi to an old friend this is quite the trip how you get here where all of a sudden Lucas is yours too? Like, for real? For real? Okay, fine, whatever. And all the way down to damn, I say niggas. That means that I'm trouble. I'm problematic because I say niggas. You know who you sound like right now? You sound like a fuckboy, okay? You sound real fucking like the motherfuckers you're trying to sound smart and all that kind of shit, but really ain't shit. You sound like them motherfuckers right the fuck now. And I'm embarrassed for you. You wrote this shit. You want to sound deep, but you sound real fucking shallow. And you wrote this shit thinking that this was the shit. Like this was dope. Like this is just going to get you a Pulitzer or something. But mm -mm, you just sound real. You sound real hoteppy. You sound real like them motherfuckers who'd be like, you know what? We shouldn't say niggas if we let white people, if we get mad at white people for saying nigga. That's what you sound like. And in like five minutes, you're going to be saying nigga all over again anyway. You sound real bad. Jesus Christ. He said the word so much that he no longer valued a black man as a human being. Lucas had been just another nigga to him. Really? Or had Lucas been the one who sexually assaulted your uh, adopted daughter? Like, which one is it? Is it Uchi Waller or is it one mic? Like, are we really starting to feel bad for people who you assaulted or people that you killed because they assaulted your family members? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be completely honest with you, and this is God's honest truth. If y'all fuck with one of mine, I'm taking six of yours. That is said without hesitance, without any mirth, with no joking in my voice. I'm a nice dude. But if you harm one of my family members, I'm going to get you. I don't care if it takes all my money and all my time. I'm going to get you. And I'm not going to sit back later on and assault myself mentally for doing so. Fuck you. Fuck your family. Fuck the horse you rode in on. 
What I'm not going to do is all of a sudden start to hate myself because, damn, I say nigga. No, was I saying nigga or have I been saying nigger this whole time? Ah, so deep. Like, fuck you. It was a different spelling, and he tried to fool himself into thinking it meant something different, but the word, ultimately, had always been the same. That was the illusion. That was the point of it all. While niggas were busy killing niggas, white men, like the one inside, was busy taking advantage of the black queens. An ethic had fallen for the banana in the tailpipe. If you don't get the fuck out my face with this shit, Confusion plagued him. Angst tightened in his belly. He could not just do nothing. Well, he technically could just do nothing. He could. So when you say he could not, that sounds like the motherfuckers would be like, I could care less. No, nigga, it's I could not care less. And he literally could do nothing. He could walk out with his child and go the fuck home. He could but he's not because he's going to fall in love with this woman. And you're setting it up so thick. Like this nigga feels so deeply for this woman when he felt nothing for Dolce. Yeah, I understand that he killed her, her daughter and her brother, but he literally feels nothing for Dolce. But in one night, this nigga is literally feeling like, the most uplifted feelings in the world. This nigga's gonna stand on the hood of his car and start singing Lift Every Voice and sing for this woman. This is how you show a relationship forming? By him questioning himself in the way that he's grown up this whole time? Jerome. This feels like when uh, the woman put Jerome through the machine and tells from the hood and he saw all the black people that he had killed. All the little children and all the black people. Well, nigga, guess what? Like I said, you sell dope in the community. You, you, you literally distribute drugs throughout the community. So your drugs have killed a little kid at some point in time in your goddamn life. Your drugs have killed a woman at some point in time in your goddamn life. Your actions have caused angst throughout the community. Your drugs have caused fighting between gangs throughout the community. And you want to slap yourself because a white man is in there talking down to a black woman like you didn't just talk down to Dolce a few hours before. If you don't suck my ass, get the fuck out of my face, this fake ass wannabe uplifting talk. Niggas ain't for this shit. I've read your books. I know what the fuck you do to black women. I know what the fuck you did to black women just a few chapters ago. And not just Morgan. To the to the one that was hanging out with Messiah in the club. To Dolce. Fuck it. To Breeze. To Lena. To Mia Moore. I know what you do to black women. You better get the fuck out of my face with this bullshit. He had to do everything to stop Alani from doing anything. Hop in, big man, Ethic instructed. He looked in the back seat of Bella. Watch your brother. Lock the doors. I'll be right back. He felt the burner inside his shoulder holster, beneath his jean jacket, and walked inside. The lobby was now deserted, but he followed the fluorescent lights further into the building. He opened door after door, finding patients sleeping quietly behind each one and cursing himself for ever walking out, leaving Alani in the first place. 
ethic was normally controlled and collected, but his own thoughts tortured him. He had put her in this position. She was in a desperate state, trying to bury her family because he had taken them away. The guilt was heavy, and as he pushed to open the door at the end of the hall, only to find it locked, he knew he had found the right one. Ethic knocked on the door, forcefully, with a flat hand. His temper was raging, and his nostrils flared slightly at the thought of what was happening on the other side of the door. I'll be out in a minute. Whatever it is, handle it. Ethic heard the old white man's voice, and it was all the motivation he needed to plow through the door. He ran to with his shoulder, twice, causing the hinges to break as the door flew open. Her tear-filled eyes as she knelt in front of the man, the side of his belt buckle undone. Belt buckled? The side of his belt buckled undone. As if Ethic had interrupted just in the nick of time. Black saviors! Black male saviors! Hmm. Ethic drew on him and placed the gun point-blank on the man's head. Yeah, that's escalating it a bit. She didn't know you had a gun, my nigga. That's zero to one million real, real quick. You got her literally caught with her. You got him caught with his belt buckle undone and her on her knees in front of him. Take a picture, my nigga. Take a picture and go to HR and get that man fired. Blackmail him. I don't give a fuck. What you shouldn't do is pull out your Megatron sized blammer and put it to this white man's head. Oh, she fired, fired now. Oh, she gonna quit and end up working for you somewhere. That way she could be close to you and y'all could fall in love. But, my nigga, you just pulled a gun on this white man. How you think that's gonna play out? In Michigan, where I don't give a fuck how much good shit y'all say, it's full of them motherfucking uh, peacekeepers. The, the motherfucking militias. Yeah. All throughout the state. Yeah, you pull a gun on that white man and put a gun to his forehead. See what happens next. Ethic drew on him and placed a gun point blank on the man's head. You ever put your hands on her again and I'll kill you. Ethic threatened. He didn't yell, but his eyes burned with so much conviction that he may as well have been shouting. The man held up his hands. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Just just take her. Just go. Ethic wanted so badly to curl his finger on the trigger, but instead he looked at Alani. Let's go, he said. Her reaction took him by surprise as she pushed by him with anger. Mind your goddamn business, she snapped through gritted teeth, not sparing him a ghetto girl neck roll as she rushed down the hall before disappearing into the bathroom. What the fuck do you think was going to happen, my nigga? Like... You ain't fixed shit. You came in there like John Rambo thinking you was going to do something for this woman that you don't even fucking know. You're pulling guns on her boss, my nigga, and she still works there unless you're about to do something real, real nice for her. Like change her entire fucking life. She still got to work there and you just pulled a gun on a white man for her in this hospital, in this hospice care. I'm sorry. There's a big ass difference. What the fuck do you think's about to happen next? You ain't save her. You just doomed her. You better save her now, though. Ethic blew out a sharp breath in frustration. He had never understood black women. Oh, from black queens that we let down and nigga, nigger, and all that kind of stuff. From that to he'll never understand black women real quick. Real, real quick. 
When they should be appreciative, they showed anger. Yeah, because this is y'all's default. Really just hating black women. And I know you're a black woman writing this book, but still. I don't know, fam. I don't know all of that. I don't know. Between Messiah saying that all these chicken head bitches are only good for pussy and all that kind of stuff to this, y'all switching up his uh, feeling sympathetic for a black woman real quick to, to anger. When they should be appreciative, they showed anger. When they should be happy, they cried. When they should be sad, they were frustrated. Black women were anomalies to the black man. No matter what they did, it always seemed to be the wrong thing. And now, he had to go about figuring out what he had done wrong when all he had were good intentions in the first place. What a road to hell or paved with a motherfucker. Putting together her puzzle would prove challenging. He swiped his face with a hand of frustration as he was taken aback by her unexpected response. Ethic went after her, storming into the women's restroom behind her. Why? Why? She just met you. Why are you doing this, my guy? She was sobbing. As she stood over the sink, her head bowed in shame. She cried from her soul. Do you know what you just did? You took my job away. He's been coming to me for a year trying to fuck, trying to pay me for it. I always said no, even though other girls around here jump on the opportunity to make the extra money. I said no until today, and, and do you know why? Because I thought that my integrity meant something. I thought that if I stood for something, I'd be able to teach my daughter to stand for something. But then she disappeared, right before my eyes. She's gone, almost like she never even existed, and I need to bury her. I'll do anything to make sure that happens. Even this, you just fucked up things even more for me. She was screaming, and Ethics stood there watching with sympathy. So this dude been trying to get at her for many moons. And she was finally going to give in because her daughter was dead, and she needed to pay for the casket. But uh, look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. What's that nigga's name? Captain Save a Black Woman, man. Not Captain Save a Ho, because she ain't a ho. But he's rare, just in time to take you away from this life and lift you up. So then when you find out he's the one who killed your daughter, it could be all that much more sinister. I hope that shit don't happen until book two, because I have no desire to read it. A king inside his hall filled him as he witnessed her undoing. She was drowning in an emotional flood that he had caused. Her turmoil, her pain, was the realest thing he had ever witnessed. It reminded him of his own, but he knew that her loss had to be greater. He had lost a woman, but she had lost a seed, flesh of her own flesh, blood of her own blood. It was like walking around with half you in a grave. She was a living dead, as well as every mother who had ever lost a child. It was devastating to watch and even more heartbreaking to be the root of it all. She gripped the sides of the sink so tightly as her shoulders quaked. She shook her head while tears racked her, not wrecked her. You keep doing that. When she looked up in the mirror, meeting his eyes in the reflection, his heart stopped. She was beautiful. Her pain, exquisite. What she had been willing to sacrifice, somehow heroic, and he was drawn to her. In the past, he had been pulled towards women because of their weakness, because he felt protective and felt obligated to save them. In this moment, he felt nothing but admiration for her strength. He wished his children had a mother whose love knew... What? Wait, you mean because she's dead, right? Not because she didn't have it. 
He wished his children had a mother whose love knew no limits, whose sacrifice had no boundaries. In her, he saw power, even though he could see her depletion on her face. He walked over to her, standing behind her and wrapped his arms around her body. His height, his sturdiness behind her was what she needed. It was what every woman needed. A man to carry the weight when it got too heavy. Too many black queens were forced to play the role of king because of the absence of the men in their lives. Okay, so that's completely discounting the, the lesbians in the world. Like, uh, they don't need a black king behind them, so that completely discounts that. But, hey, knock yourself out. Some man had put her in a position to parent alone, and now that she needed someone to hold her up, she was left on stuck. Ethic couldn't leave her. Shock shunned her eyes as he stood behind her, holding her up, arms securely around her as they both faced the mirror. What should happen next is she's like, the fuck are you doing? Nigga, I just met you. What the fuck are you doing? That's what should happen because he literally barged up into a bathroom behind her and started hugging her up in the bathroom and she don't know him like that. So it should be a stranger danger sort of thing. But that's just me. What the fuck? I'm sorry, he whispered as he lowered his face in the groove of her neck, inhaling her scent of honey. The way his strong arms cocooned her transferred warmth to her body, defrosting the cold that had set into her bones ever since the moment she found out her daughter had died. Really? This hug felt life-changing. Suddenly, it didn't feel like she had to stand up all on her own. She felt her legs give way as her body melted into his. She closed her eyes and exhaled as she wrapped her arms around his. Ethic's heart beat wildly in her chest when she turned around to face him, throwing her arms around him. Ethic closed his eyes. Instinctively, he fisted her hair and tightened his grip as her face rested in his chest. He wanted to absorb her, press her so close to him the two became one so that her pain became his. Her pain is yours because you caused it, my nigga. He barely knew this woman, but this moment was so intimate that he felt like he had been her rock all his life. Her cries pulled at his guilt, drawing it out of him like a syringe, and his eyes burned with emotion. Damn, he thought, the culpability of his actions mounting as he witnessed her grief firsthand. He knew he didn't deserve to touch her, but he held her tighter anyway because he knew she needed this hug. Let it out, he whispered. When was the last time she had been held like this? The energy she was transferring to him had been building for a long time and he accepted it all. They didn't know each other, but her need for him was transparent as she wept. He fisted her hair tighter and the arm that circled her waist drew her in nearer. Everything in him told him to walk away, but he couldn't. She had him at hello. <clears throat> I'm just so tired, she cried. I know, he replied. Shh, I got you. He had no idea how long it had been since she had heard those words. He held her for a good five minutes and would have continued forever if the bathroom door hadn't opened, interrupting their moment. She pulled away, as if a spell had been broken, and cleared her throat as she frantically wiped at her eyes as another woman walked in. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Her embarrassment was evident. Don't be, he said. Come on, I'll take you home. She nodded and followed as he led her out of the bathroom. They climbed in the ethics truck and Bella was full of displeasure. 
Daddy, you said it would be quick. We're gonna miss our movie, she groaned. She right. He done been in there pulling guns on niggas and hugging up on women he don't know that he done killed her family. Like, he knows that. He don't know her like that. And just all sorts of... I'm not saying it's a red flag, but it's damn sure a yellow one. I'm sorry, baby girl, Ethic said. He passed her his cell phone. Look up the next showtime. After we drop Alani off, maybe we can catch the next one. Bella was like a whiz kid when it came to electronics, and she had checked out the showtime before Ethic even finished the sentence. It's in 20 minutes. There's a movie theater right up the street. Can we please, please just go to that one? It's the last showing, she said. Ethic found it amusing that Bella was suddenly championing for the kid flick when just moments before, she had called it a baby movie. She just wanted Alani out the car. His daughter was jealous that way. She didn't like anyone to come and steal her father's eye. Really? Because she wasn't really saying nothing about Dolce. I don't recall any issue between her and Dolce. When Easy piped up and joined in the debate, Ethic knew he had no wins. Daddy, come on. He looked over at Alani. What do you say? You got time to catch a flick? He asked with an apologetic smile. Sure, because her three-year-old daughter just died the fucking night before. Or just a couple nights prior, rather, because you had time to fix a car and all that kind of shit. Or work on the car and all that kind of shit. So a couple days prior, her daughter just died and you want to take her to a kid flick. Like, that's not going to just broil up all these emotions in her. You want to take her to a family film with your family like she didn't just lose her family. Come on, my guy. Where's your thought process? Alani peered over her shoulder at Bella and Easy as a small smile spread over her face. It was a glimmer of sunshine, cutting through the dark clouds of her life. Sure, why not? She replied, really? Yay, Easy said. Finally, Bella exclaimed, full of preteen impatience. Ethic laughed as he winked at Alani, making her smile spread east to west across her face. Can a smile spread from east to west? Can a smile spread from west to east? Can you start a smile on the left side of your face and it comes all the way to the right side? I mean, you can, but it looks real forced and it looks real Wednesday Adams-like. Like if I thought that I was making you laugh and a smile spread on your face from west to east. I'm, I'm taking you home. Matter of fact, get the fuck out of my car. This is a bad idea from jump. All right, dire of a wimpy kid, here we come, Ethic announced. He was corny that way when it came to his children. He tucked his gangster away when in their presence because they deserve more than that. They deserve the very best. Not many people got to witness him that way. For Alani, it felt like she was peeking in on a private moment. So, instead of staring at the marvel of a man in front of her, she looked out the window. Within minutes, they were pulling up to the theater, and Bella hopped out the car. Grab your brother's hand, Ethic instructed as he watched him rush towards the door. I'm sorry about this, he offered sincerely as he opened Alani's car door. It's cool. I kind of love these movies. My daughter loves... She paused and closed her eyes. Her heavy lids fluttered as she opened them. Fresh dew of emotion rested on her long, dark lashes. She was fragile. My baby used to love them too, she finished in a whisper. Ethic's hand had a mind of its own, and he brought it to her face to swipe a runaway tear from her cheek. He held out his elbow, a pure gentleman, and she held on to him as he said, 
Come on, let's catch up before they order everything at the concession stand. I'll be out of $200 messing around with these high-ass prices. Alani shook her head and patted the big bag that hung off her shoulder. Uh-uh. Never underestimate the power of a black woman in a big purse, she said with a laugh. I see your foreign truck and all that. I know you got it, but that don't mean you got to waste it. There's a CVS right next door. You give me $20 and I'll go grab all the snacks they want, she said. You gotta take her to the Dollar Tree. You can get... Well, now at the Dollar Tree, the shit costs like a dollar twenty-five, a dollar fifty, which is like what the fuck. But still, you can get fruit punch gummy worms there, my guy. Like fruit punch sour gummy worms. Where the fuck they do that at? You can also get fruit punch soda and black cherry soda. Dollar Tree will cause a lot of diabetes. Dollar Tree diabetes. You see the connection. Ethic laughed, looking down at her in intrigue as she held her palm out and pursed her lips. He peeled off a 20 and placed it in her palm. You're a genius. I'm a mama, Alani responded. I'll meet you guys inside. Yeah, no... No time to mourn, huh? Like, no... I'm a mama didn't even send anything through her? Her going to get the candy and stuff for his kids like she probably did for her daughter not but a couple days prior? Nothing? Hmm. Alani was in and out of the store in five minutes. When she walked back over to the theater, Ethic was waiting outside. He held out his hand for her. Yeah, she can't feel emotion until it, you know, makes him stronger. Or it makes him feel something. Or it makes him want to act. Other than that, she's got to be a soldier about this shit. She's got to be ready to just be his next love and just to have dates with him and all that kind of stuff. Shit, if there weren't no kids there, she'd probably pour nacho cheese on his dick in the movie theater and go down on him. I read that in the book somewhere once. She hesitated before she intertwined her fingers with his. Nothing had ever felt so comforting as she walked with him side by side, her bag of candy contraband tucked under her arm. Ethic's touch was dangerous. It made her feel everything other than what she should be feeling. When he placed his hand on the small of her back to lead her in front of him or grabbed her hand gently, it made butterflies flutter in her stomach. Even when their fingers graced each other inside the giant popcorn tub, she sucked in air to stop her heart from leaping because she's in love already. It's just like the, the, the women with the folks from the cartel. They couldn't help themselves. They threw themselves all over them. She felt guilty for feeling anything other than depression at this time of her life, but she couldn't help but notice her attraction to him. He was strong, yet caring, and the vulnerability he showed with his children made her jealous that her child hadn't had anything close to that in her lifetime. She felt lucky to even be involved in this family outing because she had a feeling that ethic didn't include outsiders very often. Where is their mother, she thought. A woman would be half crazy to catch this man and throw him back into the pond. She found herself watching ethic more than the film. When the credits played, Alani felt disappointed as the lights slowly illuminated the theater. They shined a bright light on her reality. This wasn't a date and her life was in shambles. As soon as he dropped her off, she would have to face her daunting reality. She was saddened as she arose from her seat and followed the excited bunch out the movie theater. She was quiet on the way home and with the children asleep in the back seat, her silence was noticeable. The only time she spoke was when she rattled off directions, but still, she didn't even look at him. 
She peered out the window, watching the trees pass in a blur as Ethic's foreign car ate up the miles on the highway. Yeah, it's a foreign. Let's see how many times y'all can say foreign in this book. Matter of fact, fuck it, I'm going to search for it just so I know in advance. Huh, only seven times. I'm kind of impressed. When they pulled onto her block, she was almost embarrassed to show him where she lived. He was driving a $150,000 truck. Really? Those cost $150,000? What the fuck truck cost $150,000? What? So a Mercedes SUV cost $157,000 and you can suck my dick. I ain't never, ever, ever gonna need that. Y'all kids better sit in the back of that minivan and shut the fuck up. While she was living in a $5,000 house that she had purchased with her income tax return from the land bank. Really? She bought a whole house for $5,000? You better flip that shit. It was far from glamorous. In fact, it was downright dilapidated, but it was home. It kept the snow and the rain out, which she had always been grateful for. This was the first time she had felt ashamed of it. Over the course of a few hours, his thoughts suddenly mattered to her. He placed the car in park and let his truck idle as he looked over at her. Is this the house that Lucas and her daughter were at? Like, I, I don't know. Thank you for today, she whispered. No, they were at Lucas's house because uh, Messiah knew exactly how to get there. Right. Thank you for today, she whispered, for stopping me. I'm the last person who deserves thanks, Ethic said, as flashes of her daughter dying in his arms plagued his mind. I'm not judging. We can forget about what happened today. I'm just a guy dropping a girl off after taking her to a movie. That's what I remember from the night. How about you? Alani gave a weak smile. Sounds about right. I'll make sure your car is fixed by tomorrow, at the end of the day, Ethic assured. She climbed out the car, and when she was halfway to the door, she heard, Alani! She turned to him. I like pie, he said, giving her a wink. She smiled wide at that, before waving goodbye and rushing inside the house, upset that they hadn't met under different circumstances. Knowing that a man was the last of her worries, she shook him from her thoughts. The smell of soul food wafted through the house as she made her way into the kitchen. Nanny had left a plate wrapped in aluminum foil, sitting for her atop of the stove. It was small comfort in the face of everything she was facing. It reminded her that there was still someone on this earth who loved her and someone for her to love. Without that, Alani would have, surely, curled up and died. She took the food up to her room, making sure to move quietly so she didn't awaken Nanny. When she was behind the closed door in her bedroom, she opened the plate, sat down on her bed, and cried her heart away as she enjoyed a meal alone. This book is all over the place. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts, and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. 
intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. <laughs>